Hello everyone, hey this is Pastor Terry here and welcome to our Wednesday online Bible study from Summit Church in Fenton and uh, this is June the 24th. Boy the summer's just going right by on us isn't it? But uh, hey welcome, glad that you joined me today. I've been doing a series on why the devil doesn't flee and uh, I would invite you to go back and uh, look at our previous sessions that I've given on this. Uh, you can find them on uh, our YouTube page, our Facebook page at Summit Church Fenton, or on our website uh, under Pastor's Messages at summitchurch.us. And uh, to get the most out of today, and actually we're going to be concluding this series today, but to get the, the most out of this uh, session today, I'd, I'd welcome you to go back and listen to the previous sessions uh, it, it would, would do you good, and, and again, like I said, help you get more out of what I'm going to be sharing today. I've been using for our main scripture, James chapter 4 and verse 7, which says, uh, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And uh, I see a lot of people uh, want to resist the devil and have him flee, but they don't want to do the first part of that verse which is submit to God. Now, uh, if, if you're not submitted to God, you can resist the devil till you're blue in the face and he's not going anywhere. Uh, and, and, and so you have to submit yourself to God. Then you can resist the devil and then he'll flee from you. Okay. So that's, that's the reason the devil doesn't flee when, when he's resisted is because people aren't, you know, Christians aren't submitted to God as they should be. But, uh, uh, of course, I gave you the definition of submission. It's, uh, it's a uh, yielding of yourself, your will, to that of another's. And again, I brought out how that can be a suffering on our, on our flesh because, you know, um, almost no one I've ever met, including myself, you know, our, our flesh, we don't want to submit a lot of times. We want to we do things our way, you know, like... Uh, uh, like, well, Paul Anker wrote the song and then Frank Sinatra sang it, you know, my way. And then Elvis really sang it, uh, you know, my way. And a lot of people want to do things their way. And then they resist the devil and he doesn't flee. Uh, you know, we've got to not want to do things our way, but rather God's way and be submitted to him and his authority structure. And then when we resist the devil, He'll flee from us. But again, uh, submitting to, to, uh, to, to uh, uh, another person can be a suffering on our flesh. Um, now, every Christian that I've ever talked to, and again, this is just review here right now, but every Christian that I've ever talked to, uh, when I've uh, asked them, you know, uh, do you want to be submitted to God? They always, every one of them has, has, have said, yes, well, yeah, I want to be submitted to God. And many will even say, I am submitted to God, but yet they're resisting the, de they're resisting the devil and he's, he's not fleeing from them. And of course, why? And, uh, and I've already said it, but I want to say it again. It's because, um, you know, uh, they're not submitted to God. See, a lot of Christians think they're submitted to God. They really, really do. They think they're submitted to God. But, but, but they're really not. And it comes down to this. This is the crux of the whole thing. To be submitted to God, see, see, 
almost everybody will say, okay, yeah, I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to his word. But here's the thing. In the Bible, God tells us that there are certain people that we're supposed to be submitted to. He has an authority structure that he has set up, and it's it's not there for you know people to rule as lords and masters and beat us over the head, but rather it's a structure that he's put in place, God has put in place for our safety and our protection, okay? And, uh, and so, so you, you have his authority structure there, and, and we're supposed to, to, to submit to that. And, and, of course, nobody has trouble, you know, well, submitting to God. But what about when it comes to submitting to the people that God tells us to submit to? That's where the rub comes in. That's where it gets tough. That's where the suffering on the flesh comes in, okay? And, uh, but, uh, but, but a lot of people say, yeah, I'm submitted to God. But they're not submitted to the people God tells them to submit to. Thus, if you're not submitted to the people God tells you to be submitted to, then really you're not submitted to God, ultimately, and then and then the devil won't flee when you resist him. You see, you see you're getting that review in here with you, but I want you to get it, okay? Now, remember the safeguard that God has built into this whole uh, authority structure and system is that we always ought to obey God rather than We always ought to obey God rather than man because Unfortunately, sometimes people who God sets in authority, uh, those people don't always act as they should. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and that's sad. But, uh, and sometimes even those people might even ask us to do things or tell us to do things that, that are out, out of line with the word of God. And, and if that were to happen or when that happens, you don't obey those people then. In, in that case, you obey God rather than man. See, if, if the people that God set in authority always operated the way that they should, then submitting to their authority would be a whole lot easier. Unfortunately, sometimes, like I said, people that are in authority don't act as they should. And then the safeguard is, is that if they ask or tell us to do something that is out of line with the word of God, then we go with the word of God, obey God and not that person. Okay, so we've talked all about that. And then here's here's something else. You will not find out whether or not you're submitted to someone or ultimately to God until that person asks you or tells you to do something with which you disagree. Now, that's where you really find out whether or not you're submitted to God. As long as everybody's in agreement, then submission really isn't being tested. Submission does not get tested until there's a point of disagreement. And then when that disagreement comes up, then we find out whether or not you or I you know, are, are really submitted to God. Because like I said, as long as we're agreeing with people who are over us, there's, submission isn't tested. But when a person who is over us, asks us or tells us to do something with which we disagree, now we find out, as long as it's in line with the word of God now, but they've asked us to do something that it's in line with the word of God, but we disagree, now we find out whether or not we're going to be submitted to God. Okay. 
and uh, it's at that point of disagreement. Okay, so so again, just 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 uh, a review of some things here. Now, in the previous sessions, I've gone over with you from the Bible uh, a, a bunch of different people that God has told us to be submitted to. And we've talked about different things, one of which was like governmental authority. We, we talked about that and, and other things. Now, last week, I spent the whole session on being submitted, what the Bible has to say about being submitted to uh, spiritual authority, okay, like to your pastor or to the, your local church, you know. But now this week, we're going to conclude with, with what I call a big gun here now, uh, husbands and wives, husbands and wives. And uh, this is in pastoring for 25 some odd years now. This is the biggest area where, where I have seen uh, uh, a lack of submission to authority. Now go to the book of Ephesians chapter five. And we're going to start in verse 21 because, you know, people over the years have heard that, you know, well, wives are supposed to be submitted to their husbands, and, and that's true. But unfortunately, that's the main message that comes out when Ephesians, the fifth chapter, is read. A, a lot of times, that's one of the main things that comes out, you know, that a wife is supposed to be submitted to her husband. And the way it's brought across, unfortunately, is that a wife is supposed to kowtow down under her husband and and, you know, that he's supposed to rule over her with a rod of iron and she's supposed to do anything that he tells her to do. You know, that's not it at all. That's not the way it, that's not the way God has set it up. That's not the way he intended it to be. Unfortunately, that's the way it comes across a lot of times. But that's sad. So let's let's look at this here. Wives and husbands and wives and, and what God has to say about uh, the submission and authority issue with husbands and wives. Now, in Ephesians 5.21, notice it starts out, so a lot of times people want to start out with verse 22, which says, wives, submit to your husbands. But let's start in verse 21, which says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So actually, and I brought this out in an earlier session, but it needs to be repeated here, especially here, that Yes, a wife is supposed to be submitted to her husband, but there should also be a, an attitude about the husband where, where there, there's a, a, a submissiveness to the wife, a respect for the wife, okay? And, and that's why I like to start reading with verse 21 here, because it says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So, so there ought to be now, now, yes, the wife is supposed to be submitted to her husband, but there really ought to be a mutual respect and a mutual submission for one another. And I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But then in verse 22, it says then, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, there it is. So a wife is supposed to yield to her husband. And then... Notice in verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their, you know, subject to their own husbands in everything. Now, of course, there's that. Now, there's that. It says in everything. But now that safeguard kicks in. If a husband were to 
tell or ask his wife to do something that's out of line with the word of God, then the wife should not obey her husband in that because we ought to obey God rather than man. Okay. And, uh, but actually, you know, as I, as I've watched this over the years, um, and as we study the word right here, uh, much of the problem in the area of, of uh, submission and authority with husbands and wives, really a, a big part of the problem, and this seldom gets talked about, it should get talked about, the problem a lot of times isn't with the wife so much as it is with the husband. Uh, we're going to look here in just a moment. God gives some requirements for the husband some things that he needs to be before the wife would really should really be submissive to him. Uh, I like uh, heard this one time. You know, uh, there was a husband and he was banging on the on the table and he was saying to his wife, "He said, wife, you submit to me." And she stopped and looked at him and she said, "Well, I would if you'd give me something to submit to." Wow! Now there it is. See, uh, you know, a lot of husbands want their wives to submit to them and respect them, but the husbands aren't really being the man that a woman, a wife could really respect and submit to. See, so there's requirements for the husband. And it's true of all these different areas where God sets authority, as I already said today, but I want to say it again. You know, when God sets someone in authority, they have requirements. They have things that they need to live up to really before, before people really ought to submit to them. You see, it's not just, you know, somebody, you know, God sets somebody in, in authority and then they can act any way they want and, and just, you know, just, you know, wield authority over everybody and, and be a, be a, like a, a dictator. That's not how God set the thing up. He said it. He when he sets people in authority, those people have responsibilities, and they should should, should use that authority at the position that God's given them, and they should handle it respectfully and humbly, and treat the people that are under them uh, be very humble and respectful to those people, and and then the, the, this whole thing of submission and authority works so much better. But uh, so a husband is supposed to follow some requirements, okay? And, and he needs to be a man that a woman can respect and submit to. Uh, now, in verse 25, here it is. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, think about that. If, if a husband really loved his wife the way Christ Jesus loves the church and the way Christ gave himself for the church. He gave him, so he died on the cross. My goodness for us, for the church. If a husband had that attitude toward his wife, I don't know of any reasonable wife that would have a problem submitting to a husband like that. And then it goes on in verse 28. It says, this is Ephesians 5, verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So you see what the Bible is saying here, that a husband ought to have a, 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 a super love for his wife and uh, ought, to, ought to 
be willing to lay his life down for his wife. And then it goes on in verse 29, it says, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So you see, a husband ought to love his wife and nurture his wife and cherish her. And then verse 33 says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. You see that? A husband's supposed to love his wife as he would love himself. And then it goes on to say, and let the wife see that she respects, or we could say submits to, her husband. So you see, God sets the husband as the head of the home, okay, as the head of his wife, okay? And the husband's supposed to love his wife and give himself for his wife, love his wife just as Jesus loves the church, uh, give himself to his wife just as Jesus gave himself to the church, love her and nourish her. And, and that's the way a husband ought to be, okay? Uh, he shouldn't just be some sort of wishy-washy, you know, little mamby-pamby, little, you know what I'm talking about, that, that and, 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 and he shouldn't be some, but he shouldn't be some, you know, cruel dictator either. He should be a humble, gentle man, but yet one that can walk in, in authority, the authority that God has given him loving his wife, respecting his wife, like Christ loves and respects the church. And then I don't know of any reasonable wife, as I already said, that would have a problem submitting to a husband like that. Okay. Now, uh, what I've learned in my life, and in my marriage is, is, you know, being a husband is, is not about having power, but it's about having responsibility. It, that's what it's all about. This position of authority is all uh, as a husband or whatever authority God may set. It's not about wielding power. It's about responsibility. It's an awesome responsibility to be the, to, to be the head of my wife. I have a wonderful, beautiful wife and it's a response. It's, it's, it's a response. It's a position of responsibility when I have to, you know, make a decision that could affect her, you know, uh, for good or for bad. I mean, that's not about wielding power to me. It's about, my gosh, it's responsibility as a pastor of a ch church. It's not about yielding lordship and authority over my congregation, but it's about humbly, you know, thinking about them and decisions I make can affect them for good or for bad. What a responsibility that is. And so that's the way I've always looked at it. And that's in line with the word of God. And I found this with husbands and wives. Really, I like what one guy told me years ago. He said that really uh, a husband and a wife, the husband really is just there, just there to break. I shouldn't say just there, but his, one of his main roles is to break the tie to break the tie. Well, what does that mean? Well, like, let's say there's an issue and I'll just give you an example of my wife and I, whenever we face an issue, whether it's in our home or at the church, either one, I don't ever just make a decision and, and say, you know, by golly, that's the way it's going to be. No, 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 no. We, we, her and I, we talk about it and talk about it and, 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 and we'll look to the Lord and talk about it some more, 
look to the Lord, talk about it some more. And you know, after a, a time of doing that, almost without exception, her and I come to a consensus on which way we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. There's only been a few times where we've come down and we, you know, she, she thought maybe we ought to do it one way. And I thought we maybe ought to do it another way. And I have to break, the, and somebody's got to break the tie. And so uh, God has given the husband that responsibility to break the tie. And that is an awesome responsibility. And you know what? Over the years, there's been some times where I've been right. But there's also been some times where I've been wrong and I missed it. And uh, see, that's that responsibility. I missed it. And, and you know, it, it can, it can, it can, it, it could, you know, missing it, you know, you don't want to miss it. But you know what? In credit to my wife, she's never come and beat me over the head, so to speak, you know, with the frying pan and say, you know, I, I told you we should have done it this other way. Now, she's never done that to me. She's always taken the attitude, well, honey, you know, you know, I'm, you know, it's just this one didn't work out, but let's just go on and we'll 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 do better next time. What a what what a wonderful wife that is. Okay, but again, a, a, a husband really uh, has to break the tie. God's given him that role. Uh, you know, I've I've seen this in scripture, and, and uh, it, you know, I've I've said it this way over the years, like in, in getting the leading of the Lord, or which way a husband and a wife is supposed to go. I've said it this way: God leads through the husband, and will confirm through the wife. If you look at Mary and Joseph, you know, the Virgin Mary and Joseph, you remember after Jesus was born and, and Herod was seeking the life of, of the Lord Jesus, how did God lead Mary and Joseph? Well, he spoke to Joseph, didn't he, in a dream and led him, right? And, and then leading him out of, back out of Egypt, eventually leading that, the, the, I call it the first family of Christianity, the Lord Jesus and Joseph and Mary, you know. But how did God lead you know, after Herod was dead and leading them back, you know, into Nazareth and all that, he, he, he spoke to Joseph. See, God leads through the husband and, and will confirm with the wife. And like with my wife and I, you know, if I feel like the Lord wants us to do something, I don't just say, all right, Diane, we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way. This is what God's told me to do. No, if I feel God wants us to do something, as I just said, I'll sit down. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. And, uh, and, and then she'll tell me what she thinks. And, 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 you know, sometimes I've had the right plan, but the wrong timing on it, you know, and timing is everything with the Lord and things like that. So, but, 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 uh, God will typically lead through the husband and confirm with the wife. And there's been some times over the years where God's put some things on my wife's heart and she doesn't just come in and say to me, uh, you know, Terry, God's told me thus and so. We're going to do it. No, 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 no. She, she'll come sit down with me, say, you know, I feel like this is what the Lord is saying to me. And what do you think about it? And then we talk about it. And sometimes we've, we've gone with what she felt she got from the Lord. And sometimes we've, you know, like I said, it may have been the right thing, but the wrong timing, you know? So see, see how it works and how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. And, um, and, and, and so on. Uh, I'm thinking now about, uh, 
we had this long time ago, a few stories here I'm going to share. These have happened so long ago, I can share, share them now. And uh, I think it's long enough times gone by. I can share them, but had one situation where we had a couple in the, uh, in the church, they had moved here from somewhere or another. And here in the church, this goes back a long way. And, uh, uh, he was just as happy as a lark there. He, he had a job in the area and, and, uh, he was involved with the church and, and, uh, she, she would come periodically. Um, but he was at work one day and, and he came home and, and she said, uh, she told him, she said, the Lord spoke to me today. Uh, and we're supposed to, uh, leave this, this area, this, this Fenton St. Louis area. We're supposed to go to another area of the country and, and do thus and so. And, uh, I remember him coming in and telling me about it. Well, you know, and I, I said, well how, well, how do you feel about it? He said, well, I, I, I don't have any peace with it, but that's what, that's what my wife's telling me that God told her. So I'm going to go with it. Well, you know, I, 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 I talked with him, you know, and went over, you know, some of these principles that I just shared with you, but, you know, he said, well, that's what my wife said. My wife said, God told her and we're going to go do it. So, so, so they, they left the area and uh, word came back to me some years, a, a couple, I don't know, a year or so after they left that there's, they were in turmoil and, and some problems had hit them, you know, uh, it, it was because, I mean, if they had stayed where, where they were, I don't mean just in my church, but I mean, in, in this area and, and, and at, at the job that he had, he was so happy at it. And went to another area, as I recall, he wasn't able to get a job and provide as he should. And well, you see, as, as a mess, wasn't it? It's a mess. I'm thinking of another situation where uh, uh, a couple this many years back, but a couple they they had attended the church and had attended for some time, and and uh, they were driving home from church, and and they had a very nice home, very very nice home. And, uh, but they were driving and all of a sudden the, the wife said to her husband, oh, oh, we've got to drive up through that subdivision up there. So he drove up, they went through up in this big subdivision. Now they had a very beautiful, nice home, but they drove up there and, and she said, stop in front of that certain house. So they stopped in front of that certain house is very big, much bigger home than what they were living in. They had a very beautiful home. She said, uh, she said, God told me we're supposed to buy this house. Well, uh, you know, he was telling me the story sometime later. And he, he you know, I, I said, did you have peace with that? He said, well, not really, but that's what, that's what God told my wife. And so, well, we went ahead and sold the house we were living in, very beautiful home, and bought that one and, and then long story short, I remember him, him telling me that it was such a struggle, such a struggle financially, you know, paying the mortgage and keeping everything up. It was just such a struggle. And it was, it was a much bigger and more beautiful home. But I mean, the home they had was just very, very beautiful and nice. But, uh, but see, you know, uh, and he struggled. 
they struggled. Now, wouldn't it have been better for, you know, rather than him just doing that, selling his house and moving there to, you know, to, to, to talk through that, get some leading of the Lord. I actually asked him, I said, did you have the leading of the Lord on that? He said, he said, Pastor Terry, no, I never really did. It's just, it's, but, but my wife said the Lord told her we need to do it. And, and got into some financial trouble over it, you know, and it's not like they were living in a dump. I mean, they had a very nice house, but, but uh, it's very sad. Uh, it makes me think of that commercial years ago. You may not remember it, but it comes on, you know, and the guy, he's got the big house. He's got two big, beautiful cars in the driveway. He's got, he's got, you know, all kinds of, 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 of toys and things and a big pool in the back and all this, a big camper and a big speedboat and all that. And, and then the camera comes in on him like that. And, 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 and he says, you see all this stuff? He says, people ask me how I, how I afford it. He said, I don't, I can't afford it. My life's miserable. All I do is work to barely make these payments. I'm getting ready to just about lose all this stuff. You know, he said, life is miserable. Yeah, I always thought that commercial, that was the essence of the commercial. I always, you know, I added a little to the commercial, a little, little bit there, but that was the essence of it. You know, he had all this stuff, but he could hardly barely pay for it. You know, and life was miserable. But I think about that couple sometimes, you know, if they did just, you know, if, if he would have just stood up in his godly authority and said to his wife, listen, you know, I, I love you. I respect you. But, you know, I really don't have leading on selling our house and, and buying this other one. You know, I respect you and I believe you can hear from God and all of that. But I, I just don't have peace with it. And may, maybe it's something for the future, maybe down the road somewhere. But for now, I just, you know, honey, I just don't have, have peace with it is what I think he should have told her. And, 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 and look, if he'd have done that, stood up in godly authority, just loving godly authority and said, you know, it might be the right plan, but the wrong time timing on it, it, it could have averted them a whole lot of uh, heartache, you see. So anyway, but Hey, uh, you know, I th as I'm thinking about these things, I think in the old Testament about this lady, uh, husbands and wives now what I'm talking about. Uh, not, I'm not referring to this last couple I just mentioned now, but, but uh, I, I think about when you talk about husbands and wives, I think about that Old Testament example of uh, uh, a person, Jezebel. Remember her? Jezebel, and Ahab and Jezebel. And she is probably stands at the head of the list of the example of a, a, uh, a not good wife and an unsubmitted wife. Um, she was not submitted to her husband, Ahab, at all. He was the king there, you know, of Israel, and uh, uh, she wasn't submitted to him at all. Now, Ahab, think of it is, see, she wasn't submitted to him, but Ahab let her get away with, with what she did. And, uh, and, and, and actually... As you study Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab had some issues himself. He had some issues with submission to godly authority. There was a certain prophet that uh, he, he wouldn't listen to, and a prophet that actually uh, prophesied very accurately to him uh, what the Lord was saying, and Ahab wouldn't listen to him, actually had him in prison. Uh, so Ahab had his issues too, okay? But Jezebel was a very wicked individual, and... Uh, 
And, and as you study Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab, you could see that he had some respect for the Lord, but Jezebel didn't. And, uh, and actually she brought in worship of false gods and she had God's prophets killed. And something you notice about uh, someone like Jezebel is not only are they not submitted to their husbands, but they will not submit to any kind of spiritual authority either. Uh, they, they, they won't uh, uh, be submitted to like a, a good godly pastor or any good godly uh, authority in a local church. And I, I've observed that, that over the years. And she had the uh, prophets of God killed. And actually she went after the, that, that, the, 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 that, prophet uh, Elijah, she went after him and was going to have him killed too. So it, it's interesting with, with, uh, uh, with Jezebel, you know, years ago, uh, before I started pastoring, if someone, because I heard people talk about a Jezebel spirit and I didn't give much credence to it back there 25 some odd years ago, but in pastoring now for for some 25 plus years, I, I've concluded that there's some truth to it. Um, you know, now I'm not saying there's a Jezebel spirit going around. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm, there's some truth to it. The reason I say that of, of, of women that yield themselves to what, what could be called a Jezebel spirit is that I see the same characteristics in, 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 in those wives uh, will not submit to their husbands. Going to be headstrong, do it their own way, and certainly not not uh, submissive to good, godly pastoral authority or authority of a local church. But rather, will go after the the, uh, the that pastoral authority, just like Jezebel went after Elijah. I've watched this for twenty five years, uh, and and so at this point, I. There is something too, in my opinion, there is something to the Jezebel spirit. I really think there is. But if we come to the New Testament, let's go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Let's go there and look at verse 18. And John writes by the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus sent a message to these churches in Revelation. There were seven of them, but this one here in Thyatira. Revelation 2.18, into the angel or to the pastor of the church of Thyatira write, these things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, faith, patience, and your works. The last are more than the first, but listen to this. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because now he's now Jesus is talking through John to this pastor. And he says, you allow that woman Jezebel. Now her name probably wasn't Jezebel, but, but she acted. I believe that the reason that, the Lord referred to her as Jezebel was because she acted like the Jezebel in the Old Testament. Probably didn't call her name specifically, didn't want to embarrass her. More than likely, I had just speculation on my part. I don't think her name was actually Jezebel. I think he called her that because she was acting like the Jezebel of the Old Testament. But watch this. He says to this pastor, he says, you allow. See, now, he was allowing. Jesus said that woman. He said, because you allow. So the pastor here was allowing something to go on that he shouldn't have been allowing to go on. 
He said, you allow that woman, Jezebel, as you study into this and get into this a little more and study it, it really reads like this in the original text. Because, speaking to the pastor, you allow that woman, your wife, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. You want to be careful when people start calling themselves prophets or prophetesses all the time. That's what they talk about a lot. You be careful of those folks. Uh, calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Think about that. That's what she was. She was getting up in a pulpit. That's what she was teaching. And he was allowing it to go on. Now, look, I am not against good women ministers. I am all for good women ministers. Okay. If I had another hour, I could take in the Bible and show you that God is all for good women ministers. Okay. But the problem comes whether it's in the ministry or, or, or not, just, just in the home. The problem is when a wife usurps authority over her husband, and he's trying to stand in good godly authority, and then she usurps that authority over She tries to outrank that or overrule that authority. That's where the problem comes in. But uh, he says, this, this pastor, see, he wasn't standing in the godly authority that, that God gave him to stand in. And he was allowing his wife, who was acting like Jezebel in the Old Testament, calling herself a prophetess, getting up and teaching these terrible things to the congregation. He was allowing it to go on. He shouldn't have allowed that. But uh, I think it's, you know, you can see because the Lord referred to her as Jezebel, she had this overwhelmingness about her that she was going to, by golly, do it her way, going to be my way. And uh, it's interesting. And it says, I gave, then Jesus says, I gave her time to repent of her sexual, of her sexual immorality, but she did not repent. And you study into that. It really reads this way in the original language. She did not want to repent. So think about that. She didn't even want to obey Jesus. See, when, when, when someone's operating, when a, when a woman, a, a wife, when a wife is operating under this Jezebel influence let's put it that way they're not going to be submitted to their husband they're not going to be submitted to pastoral authority and ultimately they're not going to be submitted uh to the lord jesus himself and so they could resist the devil they can call themselves a prophetess all they want but they they're acting like that not submitted to the husband the pastor or the lord they could resist the devil all they want. He's not going to go anywhere. Now, along with, with uh, uh, that, I just want to close up by sharing a, a few personal stories, some things that I've observed uh, over the last 25 years of pastoring along the lines of husbands and wives. And again, I say this with in the context of that a, a, a husband needs to, lovingly be what God has commanded him to be in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We read that earlier. So, so, you know, there's much that the husband needs to do and be the man that God wants him to be. And the wife would then need to be submitted to him. 
But these stories, I mean, just a few of these stories, I think they'll be interesting. We can learn, probably learn a lot from them. But I've had grown men. I've had grown men, uh, husbands, sit in my office and, 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 and cry in tears more than one. I've had several over the years sit in my office and cry. They've called a meeting with me. I'm sitting there listening to them, and they're sitting there, and they're crying. And, and I said, I, I said, why are you crying? And they'd tell me, well, God has laid such and such on my heart, or we've got this certain decision to make, or whatever it is. And it's not outlandish stuff. It's not outlandish things, just all reasonable things that they felt that they wanted to do. And they sit there and cry, and I say, why, why, why are you crying? Because my wife uh, says we're going to do it this this certain way, and she's not going to listen to me at all. And we're going to. She says we're going to do thus and so, and that's just the way it's going to be. And say, Pastor Terry, and they're just broke. They've been broken hearted. Grown men sit in my office and cry. I uh, I've learned this in 25 years of pastoring, there's a lot of husbands that are scared. They're afraid of their wives. I mean, scared, scared of their wives. Absolutely. I didn't say all. There's there's a lot of them that I've seen, you know, over the many years now, this many years, they're afraid of their wives. I'm thinking of this one situation and uh, he, he called a meeting with me and we're sitting there and, and there was, it was just, you know, I just basically more or less just listen. And then I give advice in line as best I can with the word of God. And then it's up to the person whether or not they're going to take the advice or not. I'm going to love them either way. But this one guy was sitting there and he was in a situation and he, he was going to have to confront his wife on, on, on it. And I remember he, there, there was no other way around it for him. He had to confront her. And I mean, he got, he was so frightened. Now the blood, I mean, I've seen blood drain out of people's faces before. I've seen that many times, but this guy, I mean, the fear that you could see a spirit of fear come on the guy and cause he was going to have to confront his wife over a certain issue. And it, I've never seen anything like this before or since, but it, the only way I can describe it is it looked like he swallowed a box, a box of toothpicks. I mean, his, his neck started, I mean, almost looked demonic, demonic. His, his neck was popping out. He was, he was just scared, spitless. If you, you know, he had no spit. He was scared, spitless of his wife. Interesting. Um, I remember my mother telling me, because I, I, I watched this. There was a guy, my mom had some rental property. There was this one guy. His name was uh, Charlie Genowine. Now, it, it's, that's been back 45 years, uh, 50 years ago. So, you know, you don't know who he is, but I, he never attended my church. I didn't even have a church back then. I was just a kid, five, six, seven years old. But he had a wife named Hazel, and they, owned, they lived in some uh, a house that my mom rented to him. And every once in a while, Hazel would get, yeah, she'd get going. And I remember Charlie, he'd come over and he'd, he'd always, he'd have that white, white handkerchief and he'd sit there in my mother's kitchen and she had like a linoleum floor and he would sit there and that man would sweat. And I mean, he'd come over and he'd say, he'd say to my mom, he'd say, Miss Shield, Hazel's, Hazel's after me again, Hazel's after me again. 
and she's boy, and he was scared to death of her. And and he would sit there and I watch that man. It didn't matter winter, summer, didn't matter. He would sit there and sweat and sweat and sweat. I remember him wiping. He had two or three uh, handkerchiefs and he wiped that sweat. And when he'd get done and leave, there was sweat, uh, pools of sweat on the floor, you know. Uh, uh, and my mom, <laughs> mom, she'd get the she'd get the Lysol, you know, and clean it. She that, she didn't like that. I didn't either. But so she'd get that clean. But I remember, and so my mom, she always, whenever I'd get nervous or whatever, I'd you know start sweating or whatever. She'd say, "You're sweating like Charlie Jenner." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, but he was scared to death of his wife Hazel. I mean, he'd come over to Michigan. Hazel's after me again. You know, makes me think of Rip Van Winkle. Remember Rip Van Winkle? You know, he had a wife named Dame. Now Rip might have been a little bit lazy here and there, but I mean, he had a wife named Dame, and he'd get he'd get so with her that he he'd go up in those Catskill Mountains. That one time he went up there. You know, this short short story. It, I think Washington Irving wrote it. It's not a true story, but, but Rip Van Winkle, you know, and he had his wife, Dame, she was always after him. So he just took his dog. I think the dog's name was Wolf. He took the dog and went up in the mountains and just to get, <laughs> just get away from Dame for a while, you know, and, uh, and that one time he ran in those little elves, remember that, drank that elixir and slept for, for 20 years, you know, but uh, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting close with these two stories i'm thinking of this one situation back some years back now as long enough back i i can share it um but had a couple that attended the church and uh she legitimately thought she was a prophetess now she was not in the ministry never had been in the ministry had had no experience in the ministry but thought she was a prophetess and and ladies and gentlemen there. Uh, there's no there's no prophets or prophetesses among the laity. You, you need to be before God's going to use anybody as a prophet or a prophetess. There needs to be years and years of training and in other areas of ministry before God moves you over into that. But she thought she was a prophetess, and uh, her husband thought she was a prophetess also. And I remember I remember him saying one time. He said uh, he said yeah. He said, uh, she's my prophetess, and she hears from God for me, and whatever she tells me, I'm going to do. Now, you think about that. That goes against everything that I've taught you here in this session, you know, about Mary and Joseph leading through the husband, confirming through the wife, and all of that. And look, I'm not picking on wives, because remember, the biggest problem in this area really is with, with the husbands, because they a lot of times won't stand up in the authority that God has told them to stand in lovingly. A lot of times they're not loving their wives as they should. So again, you listen to these stories with that as a context. But, uh, and this man, this particular man, his wife thought she was a prophetess. Now he had some issues himself, okay, in fairness. But in my opinion, she, she, she was never, she was never going to submit to him no matter what he did. And, uh, and, and I watched on a few occasions, uh, she, she treated her husband like he was like he like he was a piece of trash, a piece of dirt. Talked to him like he was a piece of dirt. And what's worse yet, he'd just sit there and take it. Just sit there and take it. And uh, it's interesting, you know, we talked about that Jezebel in the in the book of Revelation, that pastor's wife. 
I, I observed and I watched. Uh, she would, she would, she'd come to church about maybe 60% of the time. Now she thinks she's a prophetess. She'd come to church about 60% of the time. And when she did come, she'd almost always be late. Can you see? And she thought she was a prophetess. She thought that God was going to use her in that. She thought she could resist the devil and, and, and he would flee from her. Well, look, there you have a woman's not submitted to her husband at all. And you can see with the lateness and all of that, and anybody's going to be late to church once in a while. Anybody is. Come on now. But I'm talking about a lifestyle of it. And, and, and when that is a lifestyle, there's a, that shows a lack of respect to the house of God, to the things of God. And, and there's no way she was going to follow any kind of my, my spiritual authority. She could resist the devil all day long till she's blue in the face and he's not going anywhere. But then this, this last one uh, is probably the most tragic one that, I, that I've seen. Uh, this fella called a meeting with me and gave me, uh, he handed me a book. He said, here's a book on the Jezebel spirit. He said, do you think my wife has a Jezebel spirit? Well, I, 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 I didn't want to get into all that. I said, well, you, you know, you, you'd have to discern that. But uh, his wife would listen to anything that he said. And, and in fairness to her, she, she, he, he, you know, he, he, he could have done better in some areas, all right. But uh, I told him, I said, look, this situation with your wife didn't happen overnight, and none of them do. I said, this thing's been happening, going on for years and years and years, and so it didn't happen overnight. You're going to have to try to fix it little by little. You can't fix it overnight. But he was, he was, he was scared to death of her. And, uh, and long story short, and, and again, I didn't, I, the only time I talk with him on the subject is when he brought it up to me. And, and it was several times over several years, he'd come in and talk and I'd mostly just listen and just try to give him some godly advice. What, what I've shared with you today, but he never dealt with the problem. He never did. And, uh, but in my opinion, she was never going to submit to him no matter no matter what he did. And, and, and eventually they left my church in the process of time. I remember he called me in tears. Uh, and what I'm about to share with you has nothing to do with them leaving my church or not. It's, it's, it's far deeper than that. It has to do with husband and wife and him being what he needs to be and her being what she needs to be. But eventually they left the church and he called me. He was, he was almost in tears. And he said, Pastor Terry, he said, I don't want to leave. He said, I don't want to go. But she's, I said, well, I said, well, why are you going? She said, because uh, he said, because she's making me leave. So he calls in tears, says, I don't want to leave your church. I said, why, why, why are you going? She's making me go. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave Pastor Terry. So, so, well, why are you going? Well, she's making me go. So, okay, well, you got to do what you got to do. So I, you know, I loved on him, you know, and told him some, you know, just, you know, just wished him well and off they went. But before they left, I, I, I tried to call a meeting with him and her as one last ditch effort 
you know, because I don't like to inflict myself upon people or upon, I just don't do that. I'm there if you need me, but, but I could see this was, was getting is, is, is bad. And so I tried, I, I called a meeting with him and her and I said, well, just come on, let's come on in the office. I, I let me talk with the both of you. And he was, he wanted to come, but she wasn't having no part of that. She didn't want to meet with me. And you see the lack of submission, not only to the husband, but to the pastoral authority, see? So I never said anything. I called the meeting. They didn't want to meet. They, they didn't meet. But he never dealt with the problem. And uh, as years went on, report came to me. I, you know, I don't go out looking for reports, but you know how you hear things. Report came to me that that, that family broke up and uh, she abandoned him. And then some years after that, another report came to me. You don't go looking for reports. I don't, but you know how things come to, come across your desk. And some years after that, another report came to me that uh, he was found dead, died young. All of a sudden, this submission and authority thing gets real serious, doesn't it? It's real serious. Now, there may have been other issues there that I'm not aware of, but what I was aware of, I, I it, the submission and the authority issue, what God set in place was totally and completely violated. And it cost, at least in my opinion, it was a contributing factor to costing a man his life. So all of a sudden, things get real serious, don't they? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And that means everybody that he tells us we're supposed to be submitted to. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I hope you've enjoyed this series on uh, why the devil doesn't flee. And we've concluded it now. Hey, I look forward to seeing you all this uh, next Sunday. We're going to continue talking about uh, uh, the blessing of the Lord. And then we'll pick up next week right here with our online Wednesday Bible study, and we'll have a new topic at that time. Okay? Hey, God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining me today. Bye-bye.